put yourself in rooms where where people are can out argue you out debate you um out maneuver you uh, because you will always learn there's so much more to learn in these in these environments that you have to become comfortable with failure you have to become comfortable because that's the only way to success is through failure and if you you're super comfortable for long periods of time for me that's a red flag that you're not growing So welcome back to the podcast with myself, Owen Walker. Today's session is slightly different. In it, we're going to, we're going to flip the table and I'm actually going to get interviewed by my brother, Ronan Walker. So welcome to the podcast, Ronan. Hello, Owen. Thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. So you're, you're not a stranger to the podcast, actually. You've been on before with Life of a Prison Pastor on, I think, episode eight, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you back. Thank you, mate. Thank you. That was a while back. That was in the first lockdown we did that. It was last year. It was, yeah. it was. So what we thought we'd do in this session is, like I said, flip the tables. Uh, Ronan's going to ask me a number of questions and I'll just try and answer them as best I can sequentially and, yeah, and just unpack maybe who I am and uh, and what I'm about. So um, fire away, Brilliant. Ronan. Brilliant. Um, so thank you. Thank you for having me on as your interviewer. Um, so Owen, can you tell your wonderful listeners a bit about who you are now, what you're doing, and yeah, a little update on, on where you're at. Thanks, Ronan. So at the moment, I'm working for an international aid organization. Uh, just got back from Nairobi for three months. And prior to that, I was in Cairo for nine months, just developing ambulance services, developing paramedics and developing the service. Fantastic. So what one, one of the things that we thought would be good is for you to take us right back to the beginning and how you got to this uh, status as International Man of Mystery. Um, take us back to the beginning. Talk to us about your growing up, and then give us a whiz through your CV to this day. Well, very much like you, Ronan, I grew up in Yorkshire, so South Yorkshire to be specific, a little village uh, called Millhouse uh, initially. So one of three uh, children, uh, yourself being... Uh, the myself second, being the middle one. Middle one. You being the um, eldest trailblazer. Exactly. Myself being the eldest and then Finton is our youngest brother. And so very much um, as you're aware, running grew up, grew up um, in what, what I would attribute as a working class family, uh, which is no shame in saying that, you know, my, our father was a teacher, a history teacher in a secondary school, a very difficult secondary school in Manchester. But so we grew up with not much money. Um, but lots of imagination, grew up in the countryside, so very much took ourselves off. Um, and uh, and we would have family holidays to Scotland, grew up, went to grammar school, um, primary school, grammar school. Grammar school only a name, wasn't it? It, it wasn't actually a grammar school, but it liked to keep the prestigious name. Exactly. exactly. It was a rough secondary it was a rough secondary school, actually. And, uh, Maybe not now. It, no, it was. It was. It, it, well, yeah, exactly. But it was. But it was. It was great to grow up and um, with in the countryside with, with with both of you. We, you know, Ron, me, you, and Finton all played football. We all were active in sports. We all, you know, mountain biked and got out. And we very much engaged with the with the with the outdoors. A very modest upbringing, but actually, yeah, full hearts because we because we had each other and we had the outdoors. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so, keep, give us a, a whiz through 
how you've got to this point now. So let's start. I think it's important for the, the listeners to understand your journey initially here, like from the college days, because, um, yeah, so talk, start at college and take us through the journey of how you got to through that university and then the jobs you've done up until this point. Yeah, indeed. So I wanted to be a paramedic from quite early on, actually. Uh, the appeal of kind of the emergency and the uh, the life-threatening nature of, of, of treating people um, as they needed it was, was quite appealing from college, actually. And so, you know, they say, you know, a man with a vision um, can flourish one, once you know your why um you can you can figure out anyhow and it's just knowing your why um and your why might change throughout life but my why was uh, was very much the sort of the paramedic pre-hospital care it, that became once you had a focus once i had a focus i i started to look towards sort of paramedic science but what took my levels at college failed initially failed uh, my levels had to retake them started to fashion this this vision for paramedicine um when then sort of once i had that focus and that and really zeroed into that got to university three years at hartford university and then the rest is history then sort of 20 years down the line um had quite a varied career along along the way so, so tell us about that. What was, what was your first job in Hertfordshire? So the first job after I qualified was as yeah. a paramedic. Um, and so that was a paramedic on an ambulance. Um, it was first in the northeast part of London, quite a rough part of London, but then migrated into the West End. Uh, and so spent the first couple of years, three, two to three years in the West End as a paramedic, really opened my eyes actually, you know, everything in the West End from violent crime to drugs, to road traffic collisions, to stabbings, shootings, hangings, the whole gamut um, in, in, in the West End. So it was, uh, it was as, as, as a young sort of 20, 21, 22 year old, 23 year old, it really opened my eyes to the brutal reality of, of life. So different to growing up in Barnsley, hey. Um, so to, for the benefit of your listeners, give us a few from those, that first job you did then in the West End. What what were the memories, good memories and bad memories of it? And what were the highlights and lowlights of that? Yeah, I think the highlights were going to probably a few fundamental cases where you could make a difference. So in the West End, I... Uh, I managed to save a number of lives. Uh, so I managed to save a number of people that died from cardiac arrest. So I managed to shock them back to life and bring them back to life. Um, one or two of which I'm still in touch with now, actually, which is amazing. Um, give us, give, give us an example. Give us a specific example, if you can think of one. Yeah. So there's one uh, girl called Zoe Hitchcock, who's, who's been on the podcast, the pre-hospital care podcast, another one that I run. And um, she she collapsed on Oxford Street um, with a cardiac myopathy, collapsed, died, basically a, a heart problem. Managed to shock her back to life. We had to intubate her, so put a tube down her throat to help her breathe. And um, yeah, I managed to shock her back to life. And then from there, um, went to visit her in hospital as she made a recovery and ended up being really good friends with her and her husband and sort of celebrating her her recovery and her life as it is now. Amazing. Uh, it's just, it's brilliant, Owen. Um, so a question I'm, I'm interested in is, how do you on a personal level deal with 
the traumatic situations that you come across in, in, in that job and how do you deal with that when you go home and try and have what we'd call an ordinary life outside of work? How do you deal with the, the traumatic events that you come across? Yeah, there's, there's a certain, certain amount of distancing, I think, that, that occurs um, because it's not your, although it's your anecdotal experience, it's not interconnected to your personal narrative or your personal life. But that said, it doesn't mean it's it's not emotive. So, you know, turning up to um, dead kid, dead children, uh, turning up to really horrendous um, violent crime, you know, I turned up to one incident when the knife was still in. So there was there's um, an incident where there's two people. One stabbed the other one in the neck. They're both still on scene, and the one still had a knife in the neck and was pretty much seconds away from dying. I, in fact, did die. I had you know we had to then put the tube down and um, her throat and do other things. But you know, lots of examples like that. But what what we try and do is get perspective, talking to people. So almost talking therapy through using close networks, counselling when when necessary, and trying to sort of self articulate when you do feel like something's wrong. Like there is an image or a memory which just seems to be enduring and isn't being processed properly but i if i'm being really honest i haven't had that problem um i have done counseling sessions to good to 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 um to good effect i haven't um had anything such as ptsd which has which has been brought forth or endured um but i you've got to recognize the utility of community uh, either known community or non-known community so either impartial uh, counselors or or known community as in colleagues or friends that you can just you can just chat to that's really good that's really that that's really helpful actually yeah talking can be so helpful um so it, it wasn't just the ambulances that you spent time on while you were in London, was it? You had quite a varied mode of vehicles that you, you got to different things. So tell your listeners what, what different aspects of the London Ambulance Service you worked on other than just the ambulances themselves. Yeah, it was kind of like planes, trains and automobiles, really. So it was it was everything from ambulances to rapid response cars to spent four years on a push bike as a paramedic on a push bike. I spent 10 years on a helicopter, um, two full time comments, and then um, a lot. the rest was part time working on London HEMS, so the helicopter um, service. And then I progressed into the advanced paramedic practitioner but i also was a team leader so i was a paramedic team leader for a while and then as an advanced paramedic practitioner in critical care i had a specialized car with a sort of specialized kit in it really just to treat critically ill without other people around so i was more of an independent practitioner really uh, and that was in, in its own way challenging because you're turning up last taking overall responsibility for some very difficult trauma and medical jobs as well so difficult pregnancies stabbing shootings hangings cardiac arrests uh, road traffic collisions um, uh, acute medical uh, illnesses which which are close to death so all of the above really wow so in, in many ways going to the worst of the worst situations in london absolutely yeah the worst the worst absolutely the worst the worst and 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 not having anyone on your shoulder not not you had the wider team but not anyone of your same same kind of ranking to to confer with now you did have some people on the phone and you could consult consult with them but it really was a case of you know having to bring bring to bear 
all your experience from what was then 15 years into the into into the here and now because for terms of reference for for analogs of what you what you've done for de-escalation techniques for treatment pathways for using different types of drugs to breaking bad news to um to really starting to relate in a really high stress situation high performing teams um regarding your team and and then also navigating some super tricky pathology some super tricky illnesses um cancer um like say cardiac arrest uh, gang uh, crime violent crime and really starting to see the under well so you see the underbelly of london quite early on but learning to navigate that as an as an advanced practitioner as a senior manager is has got it also got its own nuances um, amazing absolutely amazing i've actually got very fond memories so going back a little bit to when you were on the push bikes coming visiting you in london and you were like the local celebrity and I remember so many kind of little restaurants giving us free food because you were the man on the bike going around treating everybody. But uh, it's I've got very fond memories of how well loved you were by all the people that you treated. Um, so in amongst what you what I'm hearing there is that there's a tremendous amount of responsibility that you you carried in your job. And what advice would you give to the people listening that feel like they struggle with? coping with high pressure at work or in life or with responsibilities or anything that you've learned through having such a high pressure job and responsibility that you can you can take for life and and almost pass on to other people a couple of things really it's a great question Ronan actually and I think in my mind consensus opinion is 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 key initially so I mean I've just had a really difficult situation this summer actually and getting a consensus opinion amongst other individuals which aren't as involved or emotive then that's that's great so you get in a plenary group of people together like-minded people that you can really democratize both the responsibility and the outcome to um and and you you'll normally arrive at the at the right decision that said you also need to so i craved the position before my experience really and so i would also always counsel people to not rush into high positions without getting the ground level experience so doing the hard yards at the grassroots level whatever profession doesn't have to be paramedics doesn't have to be police or fire brigade or anything it could be in any in any way but do some of the hard yards because you'll have an analog of experience to bring to those difficult situations because the greater the level of responsibility the greater the battles the greater the difficulties you know you don't that doesn't get offset in fact if anything it intensifies did you ever feel out of your depth at any situations that you turned up to a couple of times yes uh initially um and then the more analogs you build the more experience you can pour forth then the more you can really relate to the the current situation and and like i said before kind of share it between the team take responsibility yourself and start to build that emotional intelligence and that and that that script of okay i've seen this before i know what to do i kind of know how to move i've seen significant others do similar so that was that was a really profound bit is actually getting really good mentors in my life that that i could learn from both on the hem service the helicopter service 
and elsewhere. I've just spoken to a guy this morning in Australia um, who was a, a paramedic team leader before he left. And he was one of my early mentors. And he was fantastic because he really crafted his language well. He crafted his action well. And he he, he always got the outcome he wanted but from from a pl- application of emotional intelligence. Amazing. And you just touched a bit on it there. Tell tell, tell the listeners a little bit about what the helicopter uh, work was like. Yeah, so that was probably the most significant role of my life, only because it really grew me up. So I joined when I was 27 uh, into the helicopter service. And it was just really going to the acute stuff, just only go to the acute stuff. And when I say acute stuff, the trauma. So yeah, the the stabbing, shootings, hangings, road traffic collisions, rear, uh, traumatic injuries and so not medical. But it, it was, um, so it was the first time I'd been put repeatedly in acutely stressful situations day in, day out. And learning from, from some fantastic mentors, some amazing doctors and paramedics, and really grew me up because, you know, you don't turn up to work, then that service doesn't go out that day. And, you know, dozens of people and colleagues may need that service on a daily basis. So it was a profound experience, really grew me up. And it showed me the power, the power of mentoring and the power of application of of of, of communication, de-escalation techniques uh, in acutely stressful, high-performing teams. Mm. one thing that I've, I've often heard you say is the importance of you getting around great people and people that are further ahead of you and that's that that sounds in that situation that's something that you intentionally did was get around people that you wanted to learn from and become more like absolutely ronan you know i couldn't i couldn't advocate for it enough to be honest and put, always put yourself in rooms with people more qualified than you and purposely do that put yourself at uh, uh, at a, a differential where you are um the 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 least in the room and you've got the most to learn and and just be, become comfortable with being uncomfortable and you know you can you can move might move this across domains you could say the same for fitness put yourself around people that are stronger faster than yourself you could say intellectually put yourself in rooms where where people are can out argue you out debate you um out maneuver you uh, because you will always learn there's so much more to learn in these in these environments that you have to become comfortable with failure you have to become comfortable because that's the only way to success is through failure and if you, you're super comfortable for long periods of time for me that's a red flag that you're not growing yeah i mean that's that's a really challenging thing you're saying about putting yourself in positions where you will fail but so you can learn from it so that's that's a really powerful uh, lesson there after 20 years with the london ambulance service tell us what came after that yes i stepped away last year to work for the international aid organization that i currently work for and massive change uh, massive difference in procedures in the institution in the institutional mindset but yeah but lots of new things to learn as well in different countries so uh, cairo egypt and nairobi kenya Fantastic. Now, you've also done some interesting jobs off the cuff during your career. Tell us some about some of the slightly left field jobs you've you've done in your time. Yeah. So having worked for World Extreme Medicine for a long time as the pre-hospital lead, I have done 
a, a few really interesting roles. Um, so I've worked all around the the, the world as a, as as an educator and in service delivery. So I've worked in. Um, the Middle East, I've worked in Slovenia, in America, uh, North America, I've worked um, in Costa Rica, uh, I've worked in Amman, um, also I've worked as a consultant for WHO for five years, in predominantly in the Middle East and, and, and North Africa. But um, for World Extreme Medicine, I was in Fiji as well uh, in 2019, working with Bear Grylls on, a, on an Amazon Prime uh, tell us about that. T- t- tell us about Bear Grylls. Yeah, so the world's toughest race, uh, 66 teams, 466 miles east to west across Fiji, uh, two weeks of of kind of hell for people, really, because it was just 24-7. It was an adventure race, um, 66 teams from across the world. And so we were there as the medical, um, as the medical provision and, you know, multiple disciplines really. So outrigging, which is like sailing, uh, there was, uh, hiking, there was, um, uh, kayaking, there's billy billying, which is this Fijian, um, like canoeing type thing. There was mountain biking, there was climbing, there was, um, a whole raft of, of skills that these guys had to do four four man teams. Well, four person teams, there had to be some gender equity. So there had to be at least one woman in the team, which it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You know, saw a real mixed variety of pathology of illness, um, got to treat and see some fantastic people uh, and just see what human life was like in, in the, in the extreme, because people were going through some of the most horrendous experiences in that heat exhaustion heat illness hypothermia so cold um everything from uh, infections fungal infections to uh, lacerations to uh, dehydration um and everything in between um, mountain bike injuries um we had a whole raft of of of, of septicemia everything uh, really so and it was great to it was great to work amongst some really fantastic colleagues as well Amazing, amazing, and that kind of leads me on to the next question because I know that's that's part of your interest, hobby-wise. Can you tell your listeners about your life outside of work and medicine? What 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 makes you tick? What do you enjoy doing in your own time? Yeah, good question, Ronan. So, a couple of things really. I enjoy fitness. So, I do kickboxing. I've done some kickboxing quite recently, and uh, I'm going to keep on pursuing that. I do quite a lot of running. Um, and I'm going to continue to pursue that as well. Um, I'm a Christian, so I uh, I do go to church where whenever that's possible, um, and have done so in in various places. I um, enjoy mountain biking uh, a lot, actually. So uh, getting out, everything that involves getting out, really into the into the great in, into the great outdoors. Um, and then podcasting, I've really found in the past few years, podcasting is given me a lot of a lot of joy because it's it's conversations it's educational conversations it's inspiring conversations it's unique conversations you know it's conversations about what cbt um nlp uh, emdr therapy um uh, neuroplastic somatic practice uh well there's so much stuff and then just in some inspiring 
criminals which have become pastors we've got um gang members that have become counselors we've got uh, i've spoken with uh, people that i've that i've um sub- that, that were dead and now alive, you know, Zoe Hitchcock being a cardiac arrest survivor. Uh, I've interviewed Dan Richards, who's a, who I flew down to, who had his right arm and neck amputated, uh, right arm and shoulder amputated, broken nearly every bone in his body. Now has been cycling for Team GB and the Invictus Games. I had him on. Um, I've just had some massively inspirational conversations. You know, I interviewed Special Forces colleagues, interviewed... Um, people in the humanitarian sector uh, interviewed Mark Fish around asylum seekers and just and struggling to assimilate into the country and just just some profound conversations across the board with a whole diverse range of people. What I'm learning, I just interviewed a, a professor of public health, the basically the 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 head of public health for Wales, and you know his insights were profound, absolutely profound. And so you know learning learning to navigate conversation the art of conversation but also just learning from people who you get on is is is, is brilliant it's fantastic and I, I think one of the things that i find so remarkable about you owen is um you've got no background in this whatsoever and it's just remarkable that you just give things a go you know a few years ago you wouldn't have even known how to do a podcast and i think it's it's fantastic to see what you have just built just by giving things a crack and, you know, it might have not worked, but it, I think it's been a remarkable success and continues to be so amazing. And also a, a, an enjoyable story that I have about you regarding your hobbies is um, I remember being at a meal with you once when you had never done a marathon in your life before. And for your first ever marathon, you decided with a good friend of yours, Roger, to do an ultra marathon. Uh, which uh, tell, tell people about that. What, what's an ultra marathon and, and what was that like? yeah it was insane to be honest it was so it was 23 and a half hours of running um we started off at 7 a.m um in the morning in carlisle and then finished at 6 30 the next morning in newcastle so Madness. we went from west to east coast and it was intense it was super intense i literally stripped the skin off my back off my lower and upper back um and so an ultramarathon is defined as anything over a marathon distance, really. So it could be anything over a marathon distance. So it's very diverse in in, in nature. And how, but, how far was yours? Yeah, so ours was 117 kilometers um, in, 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 in distance. So actually, I think we did about 120 kilometers in total because we actually went wrong for give it. For give it me in miles. Give it me in, miles. Yeah, in miles, it's about 70 miles. 72, wow, 73 miles. Yeah. Bonkers, man. And and the mental strain on that when you're running, every bit as much of the physical is as every much a bit of the physical. And I would always counsel people to do uh, ultra marathons initially with, or not even just initially, but with other people with significant others. Because if you're doing it with a significant other, they will they will always be there when you're having a dip they will pull you through. And when they're having a dip, you'll pull them through. So again, it's the power of community, really. You know, being in it together is just, is just powerful. So that, that leads me into my next question. Um, who are the key people that you would look back on in your life um, who have influenced you and helped you become who you are today, either on a personal or on a professional level? Are there any key people that come to mind that you think that person has profoundly influenced me 
Yeah, it's a good question, Ronan. And so, yes, is the answer to that question. Uh, a couple of people, really. So, uh, Roger Alcock is a good friend of mine. He's the guy I did the ultramarathon with. His enduring um, fortitude and uh, mindset, it's because it's all about mindset, really, and overcoming adversity is just exemplary. You know, he, we've done, done a couple of ultra marathons with him, but worked alongside him on a number of occasions in Fiji, in the Middle East, in the UK, um, in Europe. And I think that inquiring and persevering mindset is, is powerful. And you're right, you know, getting people alongside you that you want to become more like is, is also powerful. So, so very much him. Uh, I would say very much um, a friend, a good friend of mine, Amy Hughes, inspired me to, to pursue the humanitarian career and has constantly been an advocate of, of mine and just also helped me navigate some difficult situations and also just inspired me to consistently improve, you know, consistently um consistently improve on a daily weekly and monthly basis you know just keep pushing yourself forward for always fall forward you know make the mistakes but don't ever make the same mistake twice and keep falling forward and then um finally i would say i i, I would say um you and vincent actually we've all three of us journeyed through some really tough times together and actually we've stayed together and that's the main thing you know we've there's been some profound experiences we've had together and i think we've encouraged each other through death and life because there's been a lot of difficult times uh that we have all three of us experienced and i think it's brought us closer together uh as a result well I, i'm profoundly grateful for your friendship owen and I think it's a beautiful thing when brothers can be friends as well. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for having someone like you in my life and, and the inspiration that you continually be. Because, I mean, you only touched on it at the start. Uh, what, what, for your listeners to, to understand, having Owen as an older brother, um, in, in the early days, Owen dropped out of sixth form college you did. I think you went through a few years of college where you you failed exams and stuff like that. And you know, to see what you've achieved through perseverance and your determination. You know, it's not just your work stuff. You you've got a lot of um, qualifications you've picked up along the way. Is it a master's you've done? Yeah, yeah I've got a master's. master's. I'm looking to study for a PhD actually shortly. PhD. Well. Will that mean you're a doctor? Yeah. Dr. Walker. So I I just think that you're a remarkable man, Owen, and and the way that you have really taken life by the scruff of the neck and gone after what you're passionate about and and put yourself in positions that make you feel uncomfortable and you stretch and grow in it is just a a remarkable thing. Um, So, yeah, so another little question I've got for you is, are there any books that you have read that you would recommend your listeners um to read at all that or, or podcasts even other than this podcast obviously any books or podcasts or, or people that you recommend people look up um that you find inspiring either on a personal or professional level the tim ferris podcast so tim ferris is great because he's got very much an inquiring mind and interviews a whole diverse range of guests i would also say jordan b peterson has been a profound um influence on me um and 
and also um, a guy called Ian McGilchrist who talks about the divided brain and the master is an, and the master and his emissary, and um, this is about left and right brain hemispheric thinking. But, but yeah, very much Jordan Peterson has been a fundamental part of my um, my inspiration. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, little left field question as well: music. What type of music are you into? Is there anything in particular like listening to? Ah, uh, you know what? It's 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 pretty bland actually at the moment. So I I the music I listen to is so I'm either listening to podcasts when I'm out exercising because I want to learn as I exercise or do stuff, uh, or I listen to just iTunes the just just to kind of the pure inspiration all the just melodic high stuff, tempo which, music high tempo music yeah just stuff which is good for the background but helps me helps me sort of zone out so I can just focus on 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 the projects I'm working on fantastic so question for you now then what next what's next for you coming up what's the future aspirations yeah, so I'm just going to start writing a book actually um, in the next few months, and um, and really start to look to complete the book within six month period. And what will that That'd be? On? be yes, yeah, so that's going to be on my revelations as a paramedic. So some some of the fundamental stories over the last twenty years, and good and bad. So so positive and challenging. And and really document those and everything I've learned along the way in the world's busiest ambulance service. And then I'm going to also pull in some concepts from expedition work and from humanitarian work as well, all into that sort of medical piece. But just want to make it really relating, relation, relational to the wider audience so that people can identify and, and hopefully gather some some learning points from um, from from very from very specific experience. But there's, there's some really generic health points. From from seeing people live well and live badly over twenty years, and, and and sort of treating them as a paramedic. Fantastic. Also, Daniel Craig's retiring after this Bond film, so there's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a vacancy there for the there's next. There's a vacancy. <laughs> so, we we often used to refer to him as a man from milk tray. Not many people know who that is now anymore. But <laughs> for those listeners of a certain age, will know who the man from milk tray is, and that's that's who we refer to as Owen. Um, Final thoughts to listeners. Is there any nuggets of wisdom or anything that you would kind of, if you had an opportunity to share, what what would what what things would you share with your listeners now? So I would I would always say um, learning never stops, um, and so always commit yourself to continual learning. Um, put yourself not only in rooms. Uh, with people that you can learn from but also from podcasts from books from um from from uh youtube i i i try and purposely strip out things which don't necessarily teach me or necessarily uh help me learn so I, i'm discipline equals freedom in this area so actually being disciplined i'm currently in hotel quarantine and so but the the the, the discipline in this in this area even now when you've re- I've really not got many options um to do anything is 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 freeing actually because it frees me to work on projects that I want to work on uh, it frees me to work on my book on a phd proposal it were it frees me to uh, learn more to develop the podcasts more um it frees you to do lots of things that otherwise you would your habit your habits would dictate if your discipline doesn't so um learning which one is 
is preferential versus which one is convenient um and just and committing yourself to that irrespective of feeling irrespective of whether it of whether you yeah feel like it or, or want to do it um uh, and laying that down and just committing to to learning and and seeking people out seeking people out so don't let community just come to you find people observe people be an anthropologist see once you observe people that you want to become like pursue them i don't care what it takes coffees dinners whatever um pursue them they they may or may not be your age they may be significantly older than you they may be um, in another country you can still in this day and age have contact with them and you could become more and more like that person because you are like the people you spend the most time around whether you like it or not so so be purposeful about that um be pur- purposeful about everything because uh, otherwise um uh, things just happen to us and and actually we can we can choose we've got so much choice you know between stimulus and response is choice you know and it's very very much you know between your emotive response to a situation is the is the is the utility of choice open up the gap in every situation and choose the best response and so you know just just taking time to be very purposeful in everything we do that's fantastic owen um you've been a wonderful wonderful guest on your own show. <laughs> um, and I just think my little final comment is, I feel like it's in the heart of everybody that we just want to make a difference in life. And if we can make a difference to other people, it's a beautiful thing. And I think what is so remarkable about you, Owen, is you have made a profound difference in countless lives in a meaningful way through what you do. Um, and I think that is, it's one of the most beautiful and remarkable things about you, Owen, that there are people who are still here today because of the care that they received from you. Um, and, and one thing that you haven't mentioned about your story is that in the early days, you worked caring for elderly people in an, in an old people's ho- uh, hospital um, to, whilst you were get, to get yourself through college. And um, you made a difference in the lives, in the end life care of old people at the very beginning of your career as well. And I think that's a a tremendously beautiful thing that you've contributed. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of all the people that you have uh, had interactions with over your career and will have interactions with. Um, And I think you've been a remarkable guest. So thank you for sharing vulnerably and honestly today. Morning, thank you. It's been always a pleasure to speak to you, bro. And um, what we'll do actually is get you back on the podcast um, to dig into exactly what you're doing now shortly as well. So thank you, bro. I look forward to it. God bless you, man.